Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A word of warning. This podcast contains discussions that some listeners may find distressing or triggering. Please use your discretion. Welcome back to part two of my chat with Cherie. If you haven't already listened to part one, please go back. Otherwise, the rest of this chat will not make sense. But for now, let's get straight back into part two of my chat with Cherie. What was it that made you start to facilitate this process of leaving? Yeah, um, it's actually a funny story (laughs) to start off with. Um, So he had gone into prison for hoon driving for nine months. Um, And then just before he'd gone in, I met some new girlfriends and we were hanging out. And then um, I actually had a gift voucher for Jetstar. So I put a call out to my girlfriends. I was like, who wants to go to Bali for the weekend? Um, And then they're like, yeah, we'll go, we'll go. So we went to Bali and I hadn't been away um, you know, with, this is the first time I'd gone away with girlfriends. So then we we went to Bali and um, I had, I guess, I can't remember how old I was, it was 31, 32 or something, and I had um, a boy who was 10 years younger than me hit on me and he was like, you're so pretty, you're so beautiful, you're so smart, all of those things, but very politely in gentleman way compared to what I had at home, which was like, you're fat, you're ugly, I'm going to throw acid on you, you're all of these things, you know, to break me down to where I started to believe everything. So when I was in a different place with somebody who didn't know me saying all these things, it kind of gave me a confidence boost, I guess, in a sense. So then I came home and I was kind of like, maybe I'm actually not all of those things that he said I was. So then I started to get my confidence back and started to take care of myself. You know, um, the weight started to fall. Not that I was a big girl, but, you know, the weight started to fall off and I was just happy in myself again. Um, So then when he came out, I was kind of like, ew, like, who are you? But I didn't leave because, you know, when he was in prison, I was still visiting him, still taking the children, still constantly talking on the phone. And he had started going... I love you again, I miss you, you know, all of that stuff. And I was like falling, I guess, back for it. 
Um, so then when he came out, he was good for a while. And I was like, okay, maybe, you know, prison's done his well, him well, but then he fell back into everything. And so he was kind of like going down and then I was kind of going up with my confidence and starting to believe in myself that I was just like whatever to him. So, you know, the fights got more intensified, I guess. Um, and then there was one point where we were arguing and he's like, I haven't hit you yet, have I? I've been good. And I was like, you think that's good because you haven't hit me? Like, what the heck? So I kind of started to pull away a bit and then I guess being held hostage for three days because he was on a drug bender um, and my children having to be with me and trying not to, um, you know, go have a breakdown with them during those three days and then he just kept going and going and something just snapped and I was like, no, nah, I'm done. I know that I can have a better life than this. I know there's something else out there for me. But, you know, from the point that he came out of prison to me, actually leaving again was still three years. So it wasn't just, oh, you know, a couple of months. It, it still took that time of just building myself up and having confidence in myself and, you know, believing that I could still do things because, like, I was I was, like, even though I was with him, I, I believe I was still raising my children as a single parent, working, I was still buying groceries, like, I was still doing everything um, as a single person and he was just in the background. Does that make sense? So, like, I knew that if I did leave that nothing would change. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It does make sense and I think, you know, you've really highlighted why, it takes people on average seven times to leave because mm-hmm. you can see from the moment of you having these thoughts, you know, three years passing, you know, it yeah. doesn't mean that it's taken you this long. I mean, these are thoughts you're consistently having about possibly is there something else or is this right for me? And then getting to the point where you're making plans, it does take a long time. Yes, that's it. And, I mean, I did mentally and emotionally leave that relationship a very long time before I physically left. Um, so, you know, like I remember leaving and I was crying, you know, and I was sad and I was hurt. And even my dad was like, why are you crying? Like you're out. And then it wasn't until a few years later that I'd spoken to my therapist and she said, you were crying is because you were grieving what you had hoped for. You know, like even though he was abusive, I was still grieving because, my children were now going to be raised by a single mum like I was. I was grieving my perfect little happy life with a mum and dad for my children, even though I know it was hell, but that's what I was grieving. I was grieving like the boy that I had met at the very beginning of my relationship. So it took me a while to understand why I was crying because I was like, widow, like you're out and you're happy, but, you know, still this this whole emotions of it, Yeah. Well, it's a huge build-up of emotions as well. There's 16 years there of, of, you know, and two children and a life and a career and there's a lot that yeah. kind of comes down to that where we think that this fairy tale is going to happen or when it doesn't and you have to kind of admit that. There's probably mm-hmm. a level of embarrassment as well if this didn't work. Yeah. Yes, and and I think for me because I'm the eldest of my siblings, you know, I, I think I put myself up um to somebody I wanted to be for them and that I wasn't who I wanted to be from them. So that was a lot of that embarrassment and shame. 
as well for me. And you said before that that he held you and the kids hostage for three days. What what happened in that situation? What was the facilitator and, and how was he holding you? Um I I say hostage, like I wasn't tied up or anything like that, like you see in the movies, um, you know, but it was kind of like I had to go everywhere he went for those three days. And I mean everywhere by his side, drive you here, there. I, was not, I wasn't even allowed to go to the bathroom alone. I wasn't um, allowed to do anything alone really. We went to one of his friend's house and they were doing um, – illicit things, um, drugs, alcohol, girls, all of that. And I just had to sit there in that room. I wasn't allowed to move even though I didn't want to be. And my children were when were not in the room where I was. They were in a different room. You know, I'd sit, I'd have to sit with him for, say, an hour. Then he'd be like, okay, go sit with the kids. And then I'd go sit with the kids. And then he'd be like, come back. And I'd be like, okay, come back and sit there. And then, you know, at one stage he let me go home um, to get the kids, but I had to FaceTime him the entire time. And then, um, you know, we'd go, we'd be at home. I think we were at home for like three hours and then he called me at 2 o'clock in the morning and he's like, come back now. So then I had to get the kids and come back. And, again, it's like, well, you could have just driven off, blah, blah, blah. But, if, yeah, but, like, I could have driven off and I could have gone to the police, but he also knew where my family lived and I had those threats. If you don't come back, I'll go to your mum. I will go to your sister. I know where your brother lives. I know where your dad lives. So, again, devil, you know, you do what you were told to do to protect your family. You know what I mean? So it was just all of that and then, you know, I was hardly... Um, never given really anything to eat like the kids were able to eat but I wasn't able to eat wasn't really able to drink it was kind of just stuck by him like I was his bodyguard you know um and it doesn't mean you know I there was still physical abuse still sexual abuse in those three days um you know we would have intercourse and I'd be getting slapped in the face not like how some people enjoy that but you know like to the the different extent of pulling hair and you know like just you know you know what I mean like you know what I mean you can get gather the picture um you know and then and then having your hair pulled and to the ground and then underwear torn and and all of that stuff um you know so it's kind of like it all just builds up and it builds up and then we went back to the house after these few days and I was like this is it I'm done I'm leaving he's like you're not going anywhere blah 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 so I went upstairs and I packed um, some of my clothing, some of my children's clothing and all of our important documents. That's all I took. And I called my mum to come to me and she was on her way um, and I had the suitcases and I was leaving and he still wasn't really, he's like, still not going anywhere, still spat in my face and then pushed me down the stairs. It's a two-storey house down the stairs. And he was like, that's your karma, as he came down, that's your karma for wanting to leave me and just laughed. Um, and still, like, yelling crazy, you know, everything. Um, Then my mum arrived and he completely flipped. He started crying. And he was like, Mum, I don't know why she's leaving me. I've done nothing wrong. Um, You know, I'm all good and whatnot. And then my mum was like, I don't know. You know, my daughter's called me, so I'm going to come because she needs me. So then um, we went to leave and then where we lived we had a, a gate that you needed a remote. So he had 
the key. And he was like, you're not leaving until you give me money. And I was like, I don't have any money. He's like, go to the bank. I was like, fine, I'll go to the bank. You know, I just wanted to get away. But I had to leave my mum and my children at the house with him. So then they were held there, you know, and he wanted thousands of dollars. So it's not like I could have just gone to one ATM. I had to go around to get all this money for him. So then when I went back to the house and gave him the money, he's like, you can't take the car. So I was like, what? So I had to give him the car. And I was just like, you know what, I want to get out. I like, I'm, I want to do this while I'm in this, this moment. I need to keep going and not just give up because it's so easy to give up you know, in, in that t- that time. So then um, I did basically buy my freedom from him by giving him thousands of dollars and the car and the house. And then I went to my sister's and, as I said, slept on my sister's floor for months um, and rebuild myself all, all up and, and over again. So it's kind of, I know I, I went a little bit off track there, but I kind of just went the whole, the whole type of story so you can kind of understand you know, how it was and, and all of that still. And it is yeah. so important to say that because, you know, and you said in in the initial part when you were telling that story, you know, that people would say, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? And it's important that we kind of just call it that that's not something that you need to justify why you did or did not yeah. do something as the victim in this situation. That's victim blaming, you know. You could have escaped yes. at this point. Well, that's not really how you felt. And if you could have escaped, you would have if that was feasible yes. for you at that time. Exactly. And nobody understands what it's like to go through this and to be in it for that long and in that much level of danger. And, you know, it's important to call out that each decision that you made in those moments were decisions that you made to save your life and your children's exactly. lives. Exactly. So, that freezing yeah. and complying are both two very legitimate survival tactics and responses. Mm-hmm. And by complying with his demands and doing what he needed, that's your subconscious body and mind saying this is the calculated response that we have determined that is the safest way for you to survive at this exactly. moment in time. Exactly. And and that's what you do, you survive. You you know, you, as I said before, you like you don't leave, you survive. Like Throw me into chaos and watch me thrive because I did that for 16 years. You know, like I'm amazing when there's an emergency or anything like that because I can keep that straight mind. I can keep calm. But, you know, you throw like I still have definitely still have my moments where I'm out here and trying to live where I'm just like, this is too hard. And everyone's like, it's so easy. And I'm like, you don't understand how hard I have to fight to be happy, to you know, live because for so long I just survived, you know. It, it's not something that you just leave and that it, everything's back to normal. It's not. Like it, it takes time and, you know, it's it's a healing process. <laughs> what has the last six years been looked like for you? first few years was very, very dis- difficult. I was still very, very angry um, and hating myself, just an angry person because um, I guess the anger had consumed me because I'd suppressed it for so long. Um, so I did um, meet somebody and did get married but got divorced. <laughs> um, and that was because I was, um, wasn't was happy. I just wasn't happy. Um, things had happened and instead of, again, just accepting it and just 
being like, okay, I was like, no, like, you know, things he did weren't, weren't correct. And I was just like, no, I've been through all this shit again and I don't want to go through all this shit of not trusting you, wanting to know where you are, who you're doing, all that stuff. So I was like, no, let it go. Um, there was that um, I have just been doing, I guess, my advocacy work, trying to really get out there and be that voice, be that face here in, in WA, um, you know, just getting it out there, um, you know, raising the awareness, um, trying to write my story, um, publishing a book, um, anything I can do to just get anybody to listen to me really and just, you know, um, raise the topic. But, you know, during this journey also I got quite ill, you know, so I had to give up my teaching job because I was sick. So, you know, it's it's been a hard six years, but it's been a really good six years in different different things. Um, I said I'm definitely not as angry <laughs> as anymore as what I used to be and, you know, really just enjoying life. And um, I've also kind of learnt to not dwell on a lot of petty things and, um, you know, try to see the brighter side of life, I guess, and really focus on the light that, that's in front of me. Um, yeah, because as I said before, it's easy for me to go back into darkness and depression and all of that stuff because I know how to do that. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to, I guess, what the next six years may hold for me. And that's an incredible achievement. I think, you know, when you're in abuse for so long, the the future is so far away in some instances. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, you've gone through a lot of trials and tribulations leaving, but now the future ahead of you is, is free and open with so many endless possibilities. Yeah. It's such a wonderful place to kind of be in as well. Yeah, it, it's good. But, you know, um, I, I still have moments where I'm kind of like, um, like I look around and I do look over my shoulder at times because even though I know he's in Perth, I don't actually know where he is. So I haven't seen him um, for four years, three, four, three or four years now, um, but there's always that sort of possibility that he'll pop around the corner. Like I've seen him walk past and I've run and hid, um, you know, because I don't want him to see me because I just don't know what his reaction is going to be um, because he hasn't seen his children since 2016 or so. So, you know, I don't know if he's angry at me because of that and things like that. So I still have those moments. I'm not on here saying everything's going to be fine and wonderful and peachy and all of that. You know, it's there are moments when it is, but there are also moments when I still kind of live in fear, but I don't let it consume me as much as it used to. Yeah, and it's a really great call out again, what we were saying before about the financial abuse and Yes. The, the things that you still have a connection to your abuser from. Yes, exactly. And that, that still is something in a way that is there for you and it is hugely valid, obviously, because yes. like you said, in somebody who is a drug addict is very unpredictable behaviour and it must be exactly quite scary to think about the possibilities of him finding you. Yes, and, and I think it's also the fear of um, the children, you know, like my son's a giant <laughs> and he's only 13, but he's still my, my baby boy, you know, and their father hasn't seen him for so long. So I don't know what his reaction would be to them or 
what their reaction would be, you know, like it's it's just the unknown, I guess, that that I'm I'm afraid of more, I think, than than anything. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's completely valid, you know, like we we've spoken about before, and I think we both spoke about this the first time that we met, that um there is a slingshot sometimes. Maybe you take a few steps yes. back, but you end up further forward than where you did at the beginning. But that doesn't mean that there's not still shit being thrown at you in your life. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We're still all in this, you know, I was thinking about it the day. I'm like, how could we describe this? I was just like, I know it's the dumbest <laughs> analogy. I was just, I don't know why. I think I saw it in like a movie and I just started laughing yeah. because I thought, it's kind of like you, you've got to run into like a flaming jump rope kind of situation yeah, and yeah. people are throwing literally piles of shit at you that are on fire and you have to just <laughs> really jump through this and you're managing two like people with this rope yeah. around you and you're having to jump consistently and dodge different things and then you've got to somehow make it all work so that you can run out the other end and be completely free of fire and burns and damage and yeah. crap and I don't know why I thought of that, but it was just no, a that way makes that... a lot of sense. That makes a, I'm like visually, like, you know, I'm jumping this rope for a fire, but then I'm like trying to concentrate on not getting burnt while there's all this stuff coming at me at the same time. Yep, no, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I think you'd have to be pretty, pretty like acrobatic and skillful to get through that, you know, completely unscathed. And I think, yeah. I don't know why, yeah, I think it's just an interesting way to kind of, even while you're navigating the throes of leaving an abusive relationship and navigating mm-hmm. the trauma associated with that and navigating the financial aspect of having to recover from that and all of mm-hmm. those different things, you've still got a life. And like you just yeah. said, you've, you've, gotten, you've had an illness that's caused you to now no longer be able to work for a period of time yeah. and you're having to navigate children that are growing up and going through their own problems and yeah. life doesn't stop because you've left an abuser and, and those things exactly. continue on and still are a part of your everyday life that you now have to deal yeah. with on top of it all as well. Exactly. I um, I have a lot of people who, you know, like my doctor when I got sick and she knows what happened and she's like, how are you still smiling? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. And I'm like, what else am I going to do? Like, <laughs> what else am I going to do? Like, of course I can sit and be depressed and cry, but what does that get me? doesn't get me where I want to be. doesn't get me doing my advocacy work. So it's the whole thing like life goes on and you just, you know, you, I mean, I've had a lot of therapy to deal with, with all these type of things, but, yeah, I just keep jumping that rope really. <laughs> like, yeah. You, yeah, definitely. And somehow you've just got to put one foot, one foot in front of the other and get on with it. That's it. That's it. You know, that's all you can do. Absolutely. So I always um, end up asking each survivor as well that comes on to this podcast, what would be one piece of advice that you would give to somebody who's going through something similar to you? Oh, I don't know if I can give just one piece. (laughs) Um, But I think my biggest thing is to stay strong, you know, um, because you have to be strong within yourself to be able to keep going and to be able to keep surviving. Um, I know it's hard. Like I know it's freaking hard as, as hell when you're in that relate in that abusive relationship. Um, but it's just, you have to just stay strong. I know, it, you know, I, I did try to take my life a few times um, when I was in that relationship, but, you know, like you are strong enough to survive this. You have been strong enough to survive this. You survive this every day. Not a, not everybody would, can, you know, unfortunately. And, and, you know, it is hard, but I also believe that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, like it may be very dim right now, but, you know, hopefully and eventually it will light up and you'll be able to see and you'll be able to, to get out, you know, I'm like, I'm not saying it's a walk in the park, definitely not, um, you know, but you need to stay strong um, within yourself first. And I think another thing was just like reach out to somebody, you know, um, if you can't reach out to a family member or a friend, you know, see if there's a helpline or something that, that can help you with that and, you know, like there's nothing to be ashamed or embarrassed about. You know, it's not your fault. It's not you. Um, You're not a bad person. You don't deserve it. You deserve a life free from abuse and violence. You you deserve to be happy, you know. So, and again, I know that may be difficult for some women to reach out, but, you know, if there's somebody you can trust or if you're allowed out maybe at some stage, maybe go somewhere if you can, um, you know, everybody's circumstances are different and, you know, every relationship is different, but don't feel that shame and embarrassment um, to be able to, 
to get out. And I'm saying that to um, friends or family that may be watching this or listening to this, you know, if you do have someone that comes to you and says such and such is is it hurting me or abusing me, believe them. Don't turn around and be like, oh, he's such a nice guy, he wouldn't be doing that because I want you to think about how much strength and courage like courage and trust it has taken a victim to come to you and actually say I'm being hurt you know so you can imagine if you went to someone and said oh I'm being hurt and they turn around and be like no he's not you're never going to open up again because the first time you do nobody believes you so I really feel as if you know you believe them and if they do leave and they go back still support them yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely hard work for everybody, but I feel as if we, we all really need to work together some way to end the violence against women, um, you know, and really just be there and support each other and, and to victims and survivors of domestic violence know that you are not alone. There are so many women and obviously men, but I'm not a man, so I can't talk on a man's behalf. Um, but there are so many women out there going through the same thing that you were going through. So it's not something that you're doing alone. There are women out there, there are groups, there are services, there's people like you out there that you can reach out to, you know, so it's definitely something that we can all um, come together. I think that's great. And one of the things I love that you said there is one of my favorite pieces of advice that I, I speak about a lot to different people because I've experienced this to a, a degree where it's so infuriating to be somebody who is trying to help somebody leave and they go back. And yes. you just have to be there for them and they will. Like we said before, you've said it in here, you know, twice, I think on average mm-hmm. it takes somebody about seven times to leave. And if it's, this is the first time that they are trying to leave and there have been circumstances, all they need to know is that no matter what, you'll be there to support them so that exactly. when they do finally leave, they're not going to yes. not call you. Um, exactly, yeah. And there and, are even groups that understand that level as well. So if you are someone supporting mm-hmm. somebody, it's okay to yeah. have these discussions. You're still worthy to call up a domestic violence helpline and say, a person I know has just gone back, I'm struggling with this, and they can help you with things to do too. That's it. And there, there is quite a few helplines and quite a few organisations that do support victims and friends and families of victims. It's just I think something we need to put out there a lot more so people realise um, that it is, which is kind of why I do a lot of work on social media because we know social media is a big thing these days. So, you know, it's just putting it out there and sharing stories and being like, did you know there's this line or there's this, that type of stuff, which is, you know, similar to what you do as well with all of your stories and and things like that too. But on a new level, I'm holding the, this beautiful magenta, do you call it magenta? (laughs) This beautiful pink book um, called Love, Bruises and Bullshit. (laughs) It is hot pink. It's great. Um, and it's by yourself and Yasmin. Do you mind talking a little bit about compiling this book and, and what it's about? Sure. So Yasmin is actually my sister. Um, so she has a story in the book as well. So this book came um, across because for the last oh, four years, I think, I've been trying to put my story down on paper. Um, so 
I've written, I'd say, majority of it. The only part that I am stuck on is actually the abuse section. So, and I think that's because I'm scared of opening Pandora's box because I've suppressed so much of my memories. Um, I did write, start writing something one time and I just had memories and flooding and I was like, whoa. So then I had to stop. Um, and I think it's because I'm, I'm in a good place and I, I don't want to fall back. Um, so, yeah, I've been trying for a very long time. Um, but my sister um, had also become an, partners in a publishing company. So she had written a, the same style kind of book um, with FIFO wives because obviously in WA um, FIFO is a very big industry, mining industry here. So she got a collection of the women and everything and it was really successful um, and, and I guess a very easy read in sense because it wasn't just a whole long story um, of that sense. So I said to her, I said, you know, I'd really love to do the same thing but for women who have been in abusive relationships um, because, you know, writing is obviously a, a healing, is a healing um, process that you can take and a lot of women want to share their stories but can't because they can't afford it because obviously publishing is, is quite expensive um, so I was like let's just put it out there and see if there's any women who would love to share their story wanting to do this share their story I put a call out on one of those Facebook girl groups you know like we're doing a book if you would like to sh um, share your story and obviously Kathy was one of the first ones because um, I know Kathy through some mental um, ambassador work that we do so we put a call out and we got quite a few hundred um, women who wanted to share their story so when they would send me a message I'd email them and I'd tell them what was required you know give them everything up front so there was nothing hidden all of that um and then out of that hundred I'd say more than half never replied so we put a call out um and then we got our um authors so we had uh 25 authors who shared their stories um you know everybody had to give me a brief sort of description a small paragraph of what their stories were and then um you know they were selected um because we wanted to share a variety of stories so that people who read the book um that weren't in abusive relationships could understand the different ways people were being abused um, and that it's not just physical which is what a lot of people think domestic violence is um so out of that 25 we still had women um, drop out because they said I can't do it it's too much and I was like, I understand I completely understand don't apologize you know like it's fine um, and then we had people want to come in so then we managed to get our 20 authors <laughs> finally um, and then it was just kind of a lot of emails a lot of phone calls they're probably like oh my gosh you're so annoying you know like contacting them all the time because we we actually um, edited and published this book in a very short time so we put the call out in May. We didn't, we probably really um, sort of going full on in July and then we had it printed by November for it to launch in December. So it was very, very quick. Um, so we had all the authors and then as you can probably see um, the chapter, I'll show you. So the chapters with the words that are written, that's actually in the author's handwriting. Oh, um, is that's it? Yeah, so that's why every chapter is written differently. So each of the women um, have written 
what they wanted their chapters to be called. So, and the words that are used are how they felt when they were in those relationships. So you've got like powerless, mine is called lost, um, heartbroken, you know, all, all different, different ones. So some of the ladies, as you also notice, have um, put their names down and then some have decided to re remain anonymous. Um, and again, we completely understand why that was. Um, so the reason I actually picked the cover to be this hot pink, um, and there's a story behind it. One, pink is my favourite colour. But two, I wanted it to be where somebody could sit on a bus or at home or be in public and not feel embarrassed or ashamed to be able to read the book. Because if you look at it, as you well, you've got a copy, you can see it doesn't really say anything about domestic violence or abuse or anything like that. So someone could be sitting on a bus reading it and people are like, oh, I love bruises and bullshit. What's that about? You know, so I just wanted people to feel safe when they were reading it. And also if there was women at home reading the book that their partners wouldn't be like, what's that book about DV or whatever type things. So that's how that pink um, cover came about. Um, so every story in the book is a true story. Um, 18 of the women are from Perth and then two are from the eastern states. Yeah, we've had a really good response to the book. You know, at the launch I had people share stories about what they'd been through because they'd seen somebody else share their story and the reaction that they got from the launch, you know, and how everyone was so supportive and so comforting and, under, you know, understanding, I guess, in a sense that they felt that they could share things. I had friends share things with me that I had never known that they had been through when they were younger. The most exciting part for me was we went to number one in three different categories before we had even launched the book on Amazon. So that was that was pretty cool. But it is, and it's, it's a book by women, for women, and yes. I think it's such an empowering platform that you've created a platform for you, not only yourself, you've created a platform for other people. Um, and, you know, people coming out and people not going ahead with their stories, that happens on the podcast as well all the time and that's okay. Yeah. You know, to create this book for yourself as well, I'm sure is very much the same for me doing this podcast. I don't want to re-traumatise people and force someone to some, someone to do anything they don't want. And if this experience for you becomes something that isn't truly empowering that you really want to do, then we're not going to force you. That's a part of being somebody with lived experience in any abuse, I guess, is understanding how important it is for you to be in control. And those yeah, are the exactly. things that are so important. That's, that's the number one thing is you do have to look after yourself because you're with yourself every day. People read the book or they, they order the book or message me to order the book. I always say to them, take your time reading it because especially if you have lived experience, it, it may trigger you. Or there, there may be things that you remember or brings up the past for you. But then there are also people out there who haven't been through anything like that and, and cannot believe that, you know, that that actually happens. It's, it's a completely new world to them. So I always say, you know, read it really slowly. Um, you know, if you can sit there and read the whole thing, then wow. But, you know, a lot of people just read it chapter by chapter as well. And then, um, you know, 
also sort of when you do finish reading it, you, you do your self-care, you know, you have to absorb it but then let it go so that it doesn't take over you. Absolutely. And I will say, you know, I got through this very quickly. I couldn't put it down. It was a, it was relatable in a sense, you know, somebody who hasn't really gone through a domestic abuse situation, Mm -hmm. but having friends, having family, having spoken to so many survivors about their own stories, it was so in that sense, relatable. And there were some aspects of it that I thought were really comforting in that sense, Mm -hmm. because people were speaking so truly about their own experiences. And as I was reading it, all I was thinking was, this is going to ring so true to somebody and this is mm-hmm. this is the point right now that will be the point for them where they reach and they go, I need to start making a plan to leave or he actually isn't going to get better. It might be the moment for somebody that the penny will drop or that they realise that it wasn't their fault and they've been living in shame for a long time, you know, and I, there were just some just absolute zinger statements by some of these incredible women that you just go, holy shit, how did you write that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of the reason why we also put in, um, you know, the helplines and the statistics and the different forms of abuse um, and the warning signs. So it kind of makes the mind go, hang on a minute, like that sounds very familiar or that's what that is when that type of stuff because, you know, a lot of people, as I said earlier, believe that domestic violence is only physical abuse, that it's not your financial abuse, it's not your mental abuse, because you always hear the term, buddy doesn't hit me, you know, like big thing. And, And like I believe like with physical abuse, your bruises will fade, but with emotional abuse, you're scarred for life because that is something you carry with you for the rest of your life. So if anybody wants to get this book, how can they get it? Yes, so you can go onto my website, which is www.iamsheree.com.au, and there is a link on there to purchase it, Um, and I will sign that for you if you go order it through there. Um, Or you can get it from um, Amazon on my social medias. There's links to it all if you um, forget the website. But if you go to my website, you'll get a signed copy. (laughs) Yes. So we'll direct people there, but we can link in anything as well. And I really implore people to read it. I guess if you're not a DV survivor yourself and you're not looking for something that is just relatable, these are truly heroic stories as much as they are survival stories. These are stories of women who are, you know, the epitome of strength and resilience and warriors and wonderful. And it's it's a really eye-opening, page-turning book, and I really do recommend it. So thank you for bringing it together. Thank you for doing such a good job. Thank you for bringing these voices to so many women. Any closing thoughts before we wrap up? Um, thank you for having me on your podcast. It's actually been a little while since we've been trying to organise this with all of us. Got to do this, got to do that. Um, <laughs> but I this podcast and things we've talked about um, helped somebody Um, you know, whether it gives them the strength, that little push they need or the strength or the inspiration to leave, um, you know, to definitely get your hands on the book if you need, you know, any more encouragement or to see that there is life after a DV relationship that, you know, you do deserve the best, best life and definitely just like stay strong and reach out to somebody if you need to. Absolutely. And I guess even if you don't need the book as a resource, but you know a woman, buy it. Go support women who have created these incredible platforms. I think Mm -hmm. it takes so much work. It takes so much advocacy. So if you do 
have the funds to support. It's not too expensive. So, you know, for the cost of a week's worth of coffees, maybe you might you mm. pick up the the book. So yeah. Definitely. So the book is, um, I'll actually just tell you about the price. So the book is $29.95, but $1 from every sale of the book goes to Metal Women Inc., um, which is a uh, foundation here in WA. So that foundation, which Kathy and I are both ambassadors for, um, actually helps women get back into the workforce um, after they've left a degree relationship. So teaches them how to do budgeting, how to do a resume, how to get work um and that's it's a wonderful foundation so yeah dollar from every book sale goes to them also and there is distribution for metal where you can go on and buy gift boxes and things that have been that are directly supporting these women who are getting back into the workforce and who are supporting other companies as well that have similar initiatives so they are a wonderful resource i will definitely link them in the show notes um and it's really great to hear that you're donating that and put paying it forward. So all the more reason to go and buy one or 10 copies of this book, even That's just for, like buy one to read, buy nine for the aesthetic purposes of the pink in the living room. Absolutely. After you've read it though. Not yeah, after you've read it. <laughs> no, it is. And I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not the biggest book reader. I'm a definite audible gal. I listen to everything. So I actually thought it would take me a lot longer to get through it, but I couldn't put it down, which never happens to me because I have ADHD. So I'm always walking around doing something and listening. That works for me. So to to get me to sit down and actually relax and read is is a a hard task to come by. So, you know, I'm not just saying that because you're here. I think it's a wonderful thing that you've done. I think it's a wonderful book. And I really am so grateful to have met you, to have had you on. Well, it's been wonderful. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing your story. For now, this is Reclaim Me signing out. This content may have been distressing or triggering for some listeners. In Australia, for national crisis support, please contact Lifeline on 131114. For more resources, please see the show notes for this episode. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.